Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. This week we have a special guest speaker, Dr. Brian Simmons. He was a missionary for many years, a pastor for many years, and an author of many books and devotionals, most notably the Passion Translation. So we hope you enjoy this message today by Dr. Brian Simmons. Okay, how's everybody doing here in Richmond? So good to be back with you. It's been, I think, at least a couple of years since we've been here, so it's great joy to be back. My wife, Candace, is hearing from the Lord right now. She's praying and getting some revelation from God. Uh, those of you that don't know about her, uh, she is probably the most amazing dreamer that you've ever met. Uh, she typically has seven dreams every night. But when we travel, she'll often have eight to ten for the ministry for the church. So we, we will come Sunday morning loaded and ready to really bring some prophetic words to you. And we always send it to the pastors and the, and the intercessors, and of course that it would be weighed and judged and, and uh, esteemed appropriately. But, uh, you know, we want, we're accountable when we come into an area, and we want to leave a deposit. And that's what's going to happen tonight. I think we've already had one that was really awesome. Did you guys write the song about, you wrote a couple of those songs, didn't you? The one about uh, fear hasn't, uh, fear has not conquered me. Oh, is that Kim Walker? Okay. That's the one you're telling me about. Okay. I should text her and thank her for that. <laughs> okay. Why don't you all stand and lift your hands to heaven like you're going to go there someday. Rapture practice, if there is one. For me, it happened already. Shaba baba laba baba. Two thousand years ago, we were captivity was taken captive and ascended into the heavenly realm, and we were seated there with Christ in Him at the highest place. Oh, if you only knew, if you only knew how bilocational you really are. So, Lord, with our hands held high, we surrender. We say it's only you, Lord. Jesus plus nothing equals revival. Lord, that's all we need here in Richmond. All Ohio needs, all Indiana needs, all America needs, all this planet needs is a double dose. More, Lord. More. Shobarosta. Huh. From the moment I came in here, I just want to speak in tongues. There's such a, a free Holy Spirit. Hey, go to heaven right now. You can go too anytime. More, more, more. Oh, you're, you're full of Jesus. You must be an intercessor. Yeah. <laughs> I love intercessors. Mwah! I love intercessors. Well, welcome to the Baptist Convention here tonight. So glad you came to our Presbyterian meeting. Have a seat, everyone. Thank you so much. Oh, we'll let Lutherans come in. 
So uh, thank you, pastors, for inviting us in and your kind words. And um, the Lord is just so good. So you're like the second place on earth to get the newest release of the Passion Translation, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. There are not that many back there, so I hope uh, you, will, you will pick one up for yourself. And uh, it's a trilogy of courageous conquerors. And tonight I'm going to speak for the next six hours on... <clears throat> Courage to conquer. What the church needs today is courage. And Jesus is our Joshua. So I can't wait to, to get into that five hour. What did I say? say I'm going to make it five because you're my friends. But uh, I need this or I would give it away. But uh, come back Sunday, I'll probably give it away. All right. Anybody interested in just a quick update on where we're at in the Passion Translation? So I, I feel like you're friends and, and um, passionate lovers of God, so I'll just tell you, uh, Jeremiah Lamentations will be coming out next, and I've already done Ezekiel and Daniel, and I'm currently in Hosea chapter 6 tomorrow morning. Uh, thankfully, I was able to hit Best Buy and get a... a charger cord because I left mine at home and my laptop went dead on the plane coming in. I was working on Hosea, but um, I'll be able to get through some of Hosea 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. Let's turn back to the God and He will abundantly pardon. He will show mercy to us. That book of Hosea that is so rich and, and full of, of chesed, the love that uh, God uh, exemplified through the prophet Hosea, and uh, you want to you want to read it when it comes out because there'll be some surprises in there. That um, anyway, I, I don't want to get into. I want to get into Joshua, but I, I just want to thank those of you that have prayed for me over the last few months. Some of you know that I had kind of a close call with COVID. I was quite ill. I calculated it was like 40 days. So I was 40 days in a wilderness, and uh, a few of those days, uh, my wife and I embraced it with tears and it said goodbye. I mean, it was just, it's like, am I going to be able to go through this? But uh, she just wept at my side and stayed there for day after day and prayed me through and, and uh, didn't leave the home for I don't know, five or six weeks except to go to the hospital. So uh, it was um, really a difficult stretch. And I know some of you perhaps have had COVID or you've, you've had loved ones or even lost a loved one uh, with COVID. So I, I'm, God's done something in my heart. I'll just say it that way. So uh, after I began to get back on my feet, I just determined that I was going to make the devil pay by getting so close to Jesus that uh, he'd regret ever taking me through those, those, that ordeal. So I've been doing communion every single day. I did it just before I came here, before I speak. I, talk, I always try to take communion and, and get along with Jesus and, and uh, make sure my heart's clean and fresh and available for him to flow through because we are nothing 
You know, God's servants are nothing more than God's servants. It's God. Is the, he's the builder, the architect. He's the one that flows. We're but his uh, partners in ministry, co-workers, it says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, that we're co-workers. I think it's verse 9. Co-workers with God, which is so amazing. And uh, so I, I, I coming to you, you know, with my heart just full of uh, love for him and, and for you tonight. Is that okay? I, we just start with a warm fuzzy before I... <laughs> Let me grab my water. Thank you. So we are in the era of the Joshua generation. Uh, the next book my wife and I are putting out, incidentally, is um, it will be out next year, hopefully. I'm not quite finished with it, but it's called The Joshua Generation, A New Breed Rising. And there is a new breed arising on the earth. And, and Stephen and your buddy next to you are part of that, and, and the buddy next to him as well. And you, those of you taking classes at the school, and basically anybody in this room under 100, you're, you're part of this. But there is a new generation rising. Moses is dead, and Moses is the law. And a Jesus generation, a Joshua generation, the law could not get you into your inheritance. It could only take you through a wilderness. But on the other side, Yeshua, Joshua, listen, uh, Eusebius, who is one of the early church historians and church fathers, wrote that Moses prophetically got the name Hosea. He got the name of the Savior, that his name would be Hosea. Now listen. So he named, he took a, a slave, because Joshua was a slave in Egypt. He went from a slave to a conqueror. But Moses gave him a new name and said, you are going to be Hosea. And after the Babylonian captivity, you know, uh, I'll try not to get you in the weeds here, but linguistically, etymologically, the name, when they returned having lost their language and embraced Aramaic, as they returned into the Middle East and into Israel, Joshua or Hosea was literally changed to the name Yeshua. There is a book in the Bible called Yeshua. Would you not want to read a book? called that. So when the angel came and said, you're going to name him Yeshua, not Jesus. There's no J in Hebrew. Sorry. But you're going to name him Yeshua. Everybody would equate that, and it was a popular name, would equate that to Joshua. So I just want you to know the link that we have with that name Yeshua and the name Joshua that if you want to read a book in the Bible that will take you into your promised inheritance, it is the book of Joshua. Now, Israel was blessed with every earthly blessing in the land of Canaan. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Israel has an earthly inheritance. By the way, you're coming with me in October. You don't realize it yet, but you are. You're coming with your pastor 
and his wife are joining us on a team going to Israel, and, and you're all invited, and don't hide behind the I ain't taking the shot thing because you don't have to have it. You just got to get your nose stuck and prove you don't have COVID 72 hours before you come. So you can come to Israel with us this year, and there's no uh, restriction of outdoor. You don't have to wear the mask outdoors in Israel. That's, so they're really uh, they're quite open. And the end of May, they're opening for tourism, and when we go in October, it's going to be sublime. But this great inheritance of Israel is but a mirror picture of the great inheritance we have in Jesus Christ, an inheritance we have not yet. I don't know how many schools of ministry you've gone through. IHOP, Bethel, Morningstar, line them up, Todd White, you got all, you've got them all in your holster. You haven't even touched close to hardly any of the fullness of your inheritance. Believe me, it's a lot bigger than you think. What Jesus wants to bring to you is not just something to help you th through the week and oh, hope I can make it to the next, next uh, worship event, you know. But he wants to make us prayer on two legs, the Holy of Holies walking on the earth, a dispenser of the divine, someone who carries like Mary, the Christ of glory, that will literally kiss the hearts of men and women with the power of the gospel and the power of the resurrection, that they know a Jesus follower is in town. That's what they called them in Antioch, little Christ. Christians. Little Christ walking around. They're changing the world. And your destiny is to change the world. So I had a dream. And in this dream, I saw the, the thickest cloak of darkness come over our planet. It's happening. And it was so obscene. It was so harsh and, and hard and hateful and, and wicked and vile. I could go on and on. And in the dream, I'm weeping and I'm crying and praying. I'm saying, God, who, who could pierce this darkness? Who will come and lift this veil of darkness. And in the dream, I saw the horizon faintly. And there was a band of brothers, men and women, all in their 20s. They were a young generation. And, and they, they pointed to the eastern sky and commanded the sun to rise at midnight. It's like a reverse of Joshua's miracle. They commanded the sun to rise, and it did. The sun rose when it doesn't rise. And then I heard, and this was the words that I awoke with, reverberating in my spirit, my daybreakers are coming. My dawn makers. My dawn makers are coming. They don't wait for a new day. They are the new day. There's a new breed rising, a Joshua generation that carry the torch of truth with a tangible presence of Jesus and with a heart-deep humility that they know to their core who, who it is that's doing the signs and wonders. It's the Jesus of Nazareth <laughs> living through them. Yeah, there's a new breed coming, and we're going to call them the Joshua generation. Yeshua, the Jesus freaks, are coming back to North America.
You know, you think about this man, Joshua. Focus with me tonight on him for a moment. He and Caleb were the only two of 12 that had a true faithful witness. 12 went into the land. 10 came back with a, what God called an evil report. You see, unbelief is sin in God's eyes. Unbelief is evil. You can trace every sin of humanity back to unbelief. It's where it all started, and it's where sin grows. Sin grows in the dark. And there's nothing darker than a heart filled with unbelief. But Joshua and Caleb were of a different spirit. They didn't measure themselves by the size of the giants. They looked at God and measured the giants compared to God. And they said, look, we're not grasshoppers. We'll eat them. They'll be our breakfast. That's literally what, it, what they said. We will eat them. We will be stronger and, you know, our Cheerios will be these, these giants in the land. Easy to say until you've seen one of those nine-foot critters. Leftovers of the Nephilim, Goliath of Gath, and there were many more giants. The Anakim, and that wasn't Skywalker. There was, that's all taken out of the Bible, all of that stuff. I, I, I go to see movies, and I just see Bible stuff everywhere. But, but there's something about those two men. Are you a person of faith? If revival depends on you, how close are we? When's it going to come? There's got to be a gripping of our soul where we understand that we don't break open a city until we break open a heart. I had the privilege of... I had the privilege of seeing a tribe of people, a village of an indigenous people group that had never... They didn't even have their own language in written form when we got there. They had no written language. And to see them come to know through signs and wonders and a miracle that I'll tell you about, they came to know Jesus Christ. One day I'm praying in the village Tried to kill me, poison me. I had to mimic dysentery four times. Our daughter was bitten by a snake, went into a coma, nearly died. We lost about everything in a flooding river a canoe accident. I go on and on, dangers of rivers, and my next-door neighbor wanted to kill me. Interestingly, his, his Indian name, a secret name, was Kill Moro was his name. I'd like to have kill as your first name. <laughs> he said, you go out in the jungle, I'm going to kill you. You ever go out alone, I'm going to kill you. I said, no, you won't. He said, yes, I will. I said, no, you won't. Yes, I will. No, you won't. <laughs> first of all, he's half my size. <laughs> and secondly, I, I said, God, God didn't send me here to let you kill me. God sent me here to let you see his life, his love, and receive his gospel. 
So through amazing miracles, the village was converted. And it started all-night prayer meeting under the, my mosquito net. My wife and I, she fell asleep, I don't know, 12, 1 o'clock. I kept praying. I said, God, what's it going to take to reach this people? And he began to break my heart and show me how little I loved them, how little I truly loved them. They, they stole everything they could from us. They, you know, I, I could go on and on about their character issues, but bro, if you don't have love, who cares about them if I'm the one with a loveless heart? And I acknowledge that before God in my tears as the dawn Broke, I went to our next door neighbor, our hut right next door. The huts are really close to each other. I mean, closer than you ever want to be. Uh, no social distancing, you know. Like you hear everything that you don't want to hear. So I went to the next hut and I said, I, I need to tell you. I could speak their language at that point. I could say, I need to tell you I, I've not loved you. The love of Christ. And I was sincere. And I, I want to start afresh. And as I shared those words, they start to cry and weep. And I couldn't say any more because they were crying so hard. So I went to the next hut. Same thing. Spirit fell. And here we're all, there, the whole family, you know, there's 10 people in one hut, you know. And there I am with them. We're all just crying. And by the time I got to the third hut, they came out and fell down to the ground weeping. And, and, and one after one, falling to the dirt, face down, weeping and crying all day long. I went through the village to every, every person that was there. And they knew something was happening in the spirit. I said, so come tomorrow to our hut, all of you. And I want to share this time the love message of Jesus Christ. <sighs> In a very short period of time, the entire village was converted. So I'm having this thank you party with Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't go into business, you know, the offer that I had. And I, thank you, God, that I said yes to the call, that I brought my wife and three kids here to this village I thank you, Lord, you brought me here to reach these people. And Almighty God stopped me. And he spoke. He said, I didn't bring you here to reach these people. I brought you here to reach you. And if I could reach you, I could reach anyone. I hear those words right now just like I, I heard them 30 years ago, almost 30 years ago. Came back to North America. I was leading the field, one of the leaders, so I was able to handpick our successors, and I picked three beautiful families, the best people. I mean, honestly, you'd want to be with them. They're just young couples, little darling children, 
and uh, took them into the village, said, now this is where you're going to be ministering. And the church was functioning. We had elders in the church. And, and then my wife and I, with God's leading, left and returned to North America. Shortly after our departure, our village was overrun by the drug cartel, and they kidnapped the men, my best friends, and killed them in the jungle, shot them, automatic weapons, the whole village in an uproar as they come barging in at sunset and, and shoving our guys around, you know, hitting them with the rifle butts and, and just manhandling these guys marched them out, tied them up, marched them out into the jungle, later killed them. Folks, this is a serious thing we're in. The gospel is truth, and souls are in the balance. And it's important that we, we have our own personal encounter, that we don't expect the city or the nation to get revival until we get it. You cannot revive America until you revive an American. Hello? You put all your hope in politics. You put all your hope in institutions. We'll get there. But the beginning, the, the, the genesis of authentic awakening is someone falling on their face before God. And saying, until you revive me and change my heart, I'm not getting up. Joshua and Caleb, they weren't doom and gloomers. They came back with a, a true message of faith. Do you have courage for the days to come? Do you have a, a faith-filled, hope-saturated message to bring to the nations. We don't need your negativity, your criticism, your cranky Facebook posts. We just don't need it. All the cute memes that people laugh at, but it's mocking. And the Psalm 1 man doesn't walk with mockers, doesn't sit in the seat of the scorner. We won't sit there. But rather, we will take, like Daniel, like Abraham, like Moses, we will, as intercessors, we will take that. Like Jeremiah, he took the sins of the nation upon himself. And so we, we must have that penetration of heaven into earth. But you know what? You're made of earth. <laughs> so the heaven come to earth starts in your clay pot. My wife was here. I'd make sure, am I okay, honey? Am I doing all right here? Because I, I, I'm, I'm just not a cranky guy at all when it comes to... I'm just passionate for revival, especially here tonight. So the word I hear over Richmond is surprise. And I think you're going to surprise the nation. You're going to surprise the state. You're going to surprise the region. And there is a rich mound of the glory of God right here that when you tap into it, it's going to raise up a lot of other cities and a lot of other churches in the area. So do you have that same spirit in you that says, you know, the giants are nothing. I'm not going to whine about it. I'm not going to like run and hide. David didn't. 
There's so many champions of faith in the Bible. And some of God's greatest men are women. I've been around. I'll tell you what. We had, uh, oh, who, who's the aglow? Is it Jane? Um, Jane Hammond? Is that her name? Jane Hanson. Okay. We had her at our church when we were pastoring and a uh, huge aglow gathering with these gals. And I thought, well, yeah, aglow, that's cute little ladies' meetings, you know. And I didn't know, honestly. I, I'm confessing my brain-dead male, alpha male, did not understand at all. And I think I was doing meetings somewhere else, and then I, I came into the church. I opened the doors of the church. <laughs> the fire of God was burning in them. And then I tiptoed over to the sanctuary, and we had these little glass, do- like here in these doors here. And I, I peeked in, what is going on? And there was Jane and these women on the, and they were just calling down the glory of God. And one of the ladies saw me peeking in and said, Come on in, Pastor Brian. <laughs> Led me up to the platform and said, Yeah, now you join us for this. I go, uh, 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 uh. I'm telling you, I've been around. I mean, I, we've walked with Jill Austin and some awesome firebrands, women of God that will, if you've got a wig, you'll flip it. <laughs> Just amazing. But I want this Caleb and Joshua thing to really rest here tonight. The book of Joshua is an apostolic roadmap. It begins the 12 historical books. Uh, the book of Joshua begins a section that the Jews uh, call the former prophets. We call it history. That's boring. Bro, I slept through 8th and ninth grade. Like, forget about it. Don't call it history. It, it's the former prophets. So Joshua was a prophet. The Judges, Ruth, and all of you know, the historical books of the Bible, it is the prophets of God that we're speaking to our generation today. Moses couldn't take the people in, but Jesus can. Moses represents the law, but the law can never deliver the heart of man. With the law, we get stuck in the wilderness, but Jesus is the overcomer. Can I get an amen in this Episcopal church here tonight? So it's a new day dawning, and whenever God has a a new day, a new strategy, He'll raise up a new generation, and that's what's happening, is we're seeing a generational transfer and a generational culmination of blessing resting upon this generation. And when I say this generation, you're part of it because you're here and you're alive, right? So you're part of this. So this Joshua generation is emerging. Daybreakers and dawn makers, they don't wait for a new day. They bring it. They are the new day. They're walking in it. Men and women who have been with Jesus, they may be unlearned. They may... uh, you know, have tattoos from ear to ear. I don't know. But they're going to be men and women that have been with Jesus. So get ready to be offended by a generation rising that aren't like you. You don't want to sing the same songs a hundred times in a row. Jesus doesn't say, singing to me an old song, you know. I call you old creatures in Christ. Behold. I do an old thing. (laughs) 
So we're in a Joshua generation when God's people are coming out of defeat, discouragement, kicking sand in a wilderness, and they're entering into destiny until they shine bright as the sun, fair as the moon, mighty as an army with banners. The spirit of passivity is going to be so not in the church of the coming day. The church of the future will not be living in Laodicea anymore. They will not be lukewarm. They will be passionate lovers that will offend the religious and will offend the demons, and they don't care because they have a calling. They've been with Jesus. You're not going to be impressed with men if you've seen Him. Neither their applause nor their criticism. All their nasty websites and blogs. If you've seen Him, that's all that matters. It's like a John the Baptist generation. Like the greatest prophet ever, according to Jesus. The greatest man to walk the earth was John the Baptist. But you in the kingdom of God, the least in God's kingdom, are even a notch above that. Well, let's live up to the reputation our critics put on us. You know, Let's be the fanatic your family says you are. So as they came into the promised land, what was it that uh, the, the spies came back and said that we, they're giants and we seem like locusts, grasshoppers, right? Well, interestingly, Joel chapter 1, there are two armies in Joel. I'm about to translate Joel. I'll start probably by July 1st. I'll be in the book of Joel. But in Joel 1 verse 4, in English... It doesn't come across the way it does in Hebrew. In the Hebrew text of Joel 1 verse 4, there are four levels of locusts, four distinct words for locusts. Now, in English, we maybe have two, locust, grasshopper. I don't know. That's about it. But in, in that, that uh, culture and, and language, they had a number of words for grasshopper because they all were different and they had a different effect upon the land. The first one... And Joel 1, verse 4, is the cutter worm. It's like the larva. It's the grasshopper in its infancy. And uh, the, the cutter worm, it's, it's a spirit of religion that will cut off entire parts of the Bible and say it doesn't apply for us, it's not for today. They cut, they divide. They wrongly handle that Scripture about dividing the Word of God. That's not a good translation of it. It's properly handling, applying the Scripture. And the cutter worm is at work in the theologies of our day. They will diminish the power of grace. Don't go too far with this lovey-dovey message. Don't take love so too far, you'll start loving people. I'm sorry, but I don't find any verse in the Bible says, don't take love too far. When God is love. An American didn't write that. Because we would have a huge asterisk. But, footnote, don't take it too far. He's holy and he'll smoke you good. Why don't you just sit on God as love? Just stop the resist, stop the mental, you know, uh, mechanisms and just stop there. God is love. 
And if anyone doesn't love, he doesn't know God. So the cutter worm cuts out entire portions of the Bible. I was a part of that in a dispensational cessationist beginning that I had in my theological upbringing. I was super-duper hyper-fundamentalist until I got zapped with Holy Spirit in the jungle and an angel appeared and miracles broke loose. I learned to pray watching my daughter slip into a coma with a snake bite. Man, that made me an intercessor. The second is the juvenile locust. It has wings but doesn't fly. It's like a lot of charismatic people today. They'll hop around and talk about it, but they don't do it. Spit in the microphone and tell everybody and have exhortathons, but they will not literally with wings fly. The third is the mature locust. That is a danger to the land because it comes, it's called the stripper locust because it strips the land bare. But the fourth level of the religious spirit, now remember, the grasshopper mentality is intimidation from the religious spirit. It is a spirit of intimidation to put you down. Who do you think you are? If God was going to send revival, he'd send it to us, you know? You're young, you're old, you're a woman, you're, I don't know, bald. <laughs> but the fourth is the horde. It's, it's actually called in, in the Hebrew, the rabbis call it, the Jewish people call it the devourer. And when Malachi speaks of rebuking the devourer, that will make a little more sense to you now. But this horde blackens the sky. It, it, it sweeps across. It, it is deadly. It uh, always, always brings famine. Somebody tell me, what did John the Baptist eat? He was a hinge of history fulfilling this prophecy. A locust-eating maniac didn't care about the religious spirit. Called them out, you vipers, you slithering snakes like you're running out of a fire coming here to the water. Who called you to do this? Who warned you of the wrath to come? I mean, try going to seminary and speaking those words. And what did he drink? What did he wash it down with? Revelation. Shabbat. The revelation of God. Honey. You need, the, you need the honey and the honeycomb. Psalm 19, the Word of God. Revelation of heaven is the sweetest honey. There are times where I taste it on my lips. He wore an unclean animal skin. And the belt, the leather belt of a prophet. But John the Baptist was a hinge of history. And so this Joshua generation sitting before me today, you are a hinge of history. We're moving into another era with or without you. 
And just as there were the majority did not believe and their carcasses fell in the wilderness. So it may be that many that we think are these champions end up not believing the good report of a new day coming. God is going to revive America. He's going to send an awakening so potent, so powerful. Everything that you want times a hundred. Bundled with miracles, signs, and wonders that you've never seen before. A new day is dawning. And your response to this message, to this, not necessarily my teaching, I don't mean that, but your response to this invitation to be a part of the Joshua generation, it will mark you for the, for the days to come. The Lord is sealing the foreheads of His lovers, of His servants. You're so freaked out about the mark of a beast like some miniaturized microchip. Bill Gates, little Bill Gates inside of the... Oh, dude, come on. God's going to mark our hearts and our minds. Are you okay? You can breathe now. Believe the truth. And I'm giving you the truth here tonight. I'm not making this up. I don't need to go on YouTube and get everybody to affirm it. Fear will keep you back. Unbelief will keep you back. A great day is coming. You say, well, it sure doesn't look like it. Yeah, I'm with you, bro. Totally. Sure doesn't look like it at all. And it sure didn't look very good for the 12 spies, did it? Except two rose up and said, God is calling us into this land. Therefore, God will fulfill His promise. And I want to be like a Joshua, like a Caleb, and say, God is calling us to possess the land. He's calling us into our full inheritance. We've been in this wilderness long enough. And now the Jordan is about to part. And every new era of God's destiny and strategy is inaugurated by miraculous events. And so we're about to see a new age of miracles and signs and wonders coming. Oh, come on, you Mennonites. You can handle this. Where are those daybreakers? Those dawn makers. Come on. I'm trying to be an equal opportunity offender. You don't need somebody to come and give you the same message you've heard over and over. You need a fresh, raw, right out of the can, fire-filled truth pouring like lava into the chairs of this church. That's what we need that will ignite us, that will enlarge us, that will get us stuck off of pause and off of hold, out of the waiting room, out of the wilderness. So new miracles are going to be seen. I think the power went out last time I was here. Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, I don't think I know something's going to happen again to help 
nudge the little unbelief that's still lingering in the corners of your heart. I was in Israel. Thousand Chinese leaders. They came under the guise of tourism. But they were really coming for a conference. They asked me to be the speaker. I said, well, why did you ask me? He said, oh, Sid Roth. We saw you, Sid Roth. Sid Roth. Glory, Sid Roth. I said, oh, okay. So they, they're the hungriest, precious, passionate. You know, many of them first-generation believers. I mean, they're really like coming out of, there's over 110 million believers in China. Growing daily, growing daily. So, I, middle of my stuff, I, I, Spirit of the Lord fell on me and I said, I, I'm prophesying to you, China, and some of you here in this room and the believers of China, you are going to help spark a revival in Israel. And the fire alarm went off just then. I said, it's going to go off 12 times in a row to prove to you that my word over you is true. Except it was longer. The 12th time, I had to leave the room. They were rushing me. They were going to tear me limb from limb. They wanted, they wanted, they're Chinese. They, they look at things a little differently than we do. I've had to correct them more than once, saying, you want to shut down the Holy Spirit, start lifting up a man. Start thinking it comes from man. You're going to shut down the Holy Spirit. We had a church catch on fire in Providence. I don't know how many signs and wonders and miracles you want to hear about before you start believing it yourself that God is going to release a miracle generation. So, <clears throat> I've only got three hours left, so let me... Let me let me wrap, kind of wrap it up a little bit, okay? So Moses is dead. The Lord speaks to Joshua and, and says, you are going to go and take his place. Now, Joshua, don't think he was timid. You, you have a wrong attitude if you think Joshua was a timid, oh, me? No. Joshua was a spy. Joshua was a soldier. He fought the Amalekites while Mo and, and Hur went up to the top of the... Aaron and Hur and Mo went up and held the rod, Mo, mighty Moses holding that rod over the valley, and Joshua down below whooped them. I mean, Joshua was a fighter. He was a warrior. He was a slave who became a, a, a soldier, who became a servant to Moses, who became a spy, and who became the successor and a strategist for the ways of God. He was a champion. So God says, go tell the people to get their lives right with me. Consecrate yourselves. You better get right with me. In three days, you're going to go into a, a new land. You're going to cross into your inheritance. God loves doing things on that third day, doesn't he? 
It just so happened that it was, the Jordan was flooding at flood stage. It was a half a mile wide. No rope, no bridge, no canoe. For three days, they stared at a flooding river saying, how are we going to cross this? And the waters just got higher. He said, take the ark and put it a half mile in front of all the people. How many of you know there's nobody like Jesus? He's, he's like a half mile ahead of everybody else, the ark of glory. And if, if you were looking from a half mile away and the, the dawning of a new day was coming, uh, the light shining off the ark, glimmering, it would literally look like the ark had legs. And it does. It's you and it's me. I found the ark is sitting in front of me. You know, I, I try to help people. You know, the temple's not going to be rebuilt. That's so OT. It's like Jesus tore it down, 70 A.D. He's not going to go back to animal sacrifices once for all. He left the building, and he's out of the box, and he ain't going back in. There may be a temple built, but God will have nothing to do with it. The temple is sitting in the chairs here in this sanctuary. We are that temple. I mean, come on, New Testament believers. Get a, get a New Testament mindset. No. So the ark then is a prophetic picture of our Savior, the ark of glory that contains the glory, the resurrection rod, the laws of God, the righteousness of God covered with gold, etc. Here he is, and it says the moment the priests put their toe into the water. <laughs> Downriver, the water flowed. Upriver, I guess I should do it this way. Yeah, downriver, the water went down to the Dead Sea. But it says the water rolled back as like a hand. <laughs> Pushed that water all the way back to a town called Jesus pushed judgment's flood all the way back to Adam. Yeah. And do you know the name of the town that's next to it? Zarathan. It says it in the text, next to Zarathan. Zarathan is the Hebrew word piercing. Piercing. He was pierced for our transgressions. So the miracle, and here's the ark. Now listen, a million people are staring and watching this. <gasps> I mean, this is like, this is not like a movie. This is real. And, and then they're to march on over. But a million people walked right by the ark of glory. A million people that only the high priest could ever see. And here they're all, they're all walking right by this covenant box, this chest of glory. Hey, hey, hey. Boy, man, I, I could go so long. I could outlast you, I think, tonight. I'm just thinking where to stop. You know, I, I told my church, I, I don't do closings. I'm not a realtor. I'm not very good at closings. 
So I said, give me three, all right? I said, okay, you get three closings. Closing number one. Well, the first thing that happened when they got to the other side, the miracle manna stopped. They had to eat the grain that grew up, the corn of wheat, the grain that had come up from the ground. It's resurrection. They had to feast on a different food. You're going to have to start eating a different, you know, I don't know, forget your keto, baby. It's a Jesus resurrection diet. You're going to have to eat a different diet. What got you through the wilderness will not take you into warfare. You got to go from a, a, you know, a wanderer to a warrior. And it required a different food. And they also observed Passover for the first time in a generation since, since the Passover in Egypt. They never observed Passover in the wilderness. And the third thing, you'll love this, circumcise all the men. <laughs> Cut them. All these 40-year-old Gen X's had never been circumcised. They'd come out of Egypt as little kids. The old generation died in the wilderness. Joshua had a youth group he took into the promised land. Oh, there's such a meaning behind all of this somewhere. So they, they were incapacitated. All the warriors were incapacitated about three or four miles from Jericho. They were vulnerable before God. And the Bible tells us, circumcise your heart. Pull off that foreskin of your heart. Take away the thing that covers your tenderness before God. Become sensitive. Let your conscience live again. There's no such thing as little things to the Holy Spirit. If He points it out, it's big. Everything must go into the flame of God. Everything must be lifted from our hearts. The mentality of, of wandering, the, you know, oh, but I like Moses. He was a better leader than you. You hurt. So many things they had to leave behind in, the, in that Jordan crossing. And then you know the story, the miracle story. It began with that incredible miracle, but the prelude to the miracle was an encounter. And before the miracle era happens, it will be preceded, which is happening right now as I speak, by supernatural divine encounters that is happening all over the Islamic world and now is happening in the Western world, where dreams, visions, appearances of both angels and Jesus is happening on the earth. It's so amazing how it's okay if Jesus comes to, uh, you know, the Muslims. But you start saying that, well, Jesus came to me and melted my wall and came into my room, and suddenly I'm the heretic. But there's encounter coming before the walls fall down. And with Joshua, it was in Joshua 5, it was the man with the sword drawn. 
Joshua goes out to, like any good strategist, before you wage war, he goes out to surveil the, the, the land. He wants to see, scope it out. And, and sun's going down, and then all of a sudden, there in the path is a man with a sword drawn. It's not here. It's like here. And Joshua says, whoa, are you for us? Are you for them? He said, neither. I'm for me. I didn't come to take sides. I came to take charge. And the Lord is coming not to take sides. You want him to take sides. He's coming to take charge. Yeah, it's true. So the question is not, are you for us or are you for them? The question is, are you for him? Are you for that sword to pierce you? And when that sword pierces you first, you will have a weaponry and an arsenal infinitely greater than the armies of men. You will have the two greatest weapons God can give His last day servants. Brokenness and tears. So the next day, under the direction of the man with the sword drawn, Joshua tells the people, we're going to march. We will actually show you the ruins of Jericho. I've stood on them. I've been at the very place of Jericho. 5,000 years ago where the walls fell. Phenomenal. It's just a rubble. So you know the story. They marched, and the greatest miracle of all was they were in unity, and they kept their mouths shut. That's, that's almost as big as parting the Red Sea. You get a million people to shut up and march in unity. And six days they did it. Six days. And the seventh day they did it seven times. They marched around Jericho 13 times. And on the 13th time, which was the seventh day, the seventh march, you know, anybody can shout after the walls fall. But what idiot is going to stand in front of a wall and shout and think it's going to fall? A Joshua generation. They will do it. Under the command of God, the mandate of heaven, the key is to know who is leading you and what he wants you to do. It's not the cleverness of man. You know, when God, when man has a... a, a challenge, he'll come up with a better plan. When God has something he needs to do, he comes up with a better man and a better woman. God's plan is us. We are co-workers with God. Mark 16, 20, the last verse in the Gospel of Mark, it says the apostles were doing signs and wonders wherever they went. And listen, the Lord himself worked with them. It's kind of backwards, isn't it? Shouldn't you say, and they, and they worked with the Lord? 
That's not what it says. The day will come when he will go with you. And you will lead him. Now that's, that's beyond graduate level for some of you. But he's waiting for you to step out. He's waiting for you to apply that faith, whether it's a shout or it's a grasshopper. But for you to make those, those steps of faith, tangible, powerful steps of faith that will cause the enemy to retreat, limitations to be lifted, barriers broken, revival burning, and restoration on the horizon. Well, I was hoping you Methodists would, would like a sermon like this, but so many more lessons that I'd love to share with you, but all of that is from the introduction to the book of Joshua. If you don't mind, go ahead and stand and we'll pray. And I think it'd be good if the uh, school uh, students, is it all right, uh, Pastor Stephen, if we turn them loose and we have some prayer up here? I've been accused of having the gift of faith. I want to live up to that accusation. And there are times it comes on me so strong. I could care less if anybody believes in the room. Honestly, it's like it, it, it is a, it's like a superhuman. I'm not superhuman. I'm not even implying that. But it's like a superhuman thing comes on me. And I, I go, there's nothing God can't do. Um, and I, you guys think you're believers. Man, I could push you right to the edge where you oh, I don't believe that. I've seen people levitate right off the ground. Yeah, take a double dose. Hey, come on. Drink, drink, drink deep. Come on, pops. <laughs> Love thy neighbor. Ah. You are a fireball, is what you are. Yeah. One last story. How many of you say it? I want a miracle story. It's not mine, it's somebody else's, which I think is better that way. St. Dennis, D E N I S. Stay standing for a minute. He was uh, a godly, one of the most godly men to walk the earth, Paris, France. Actually, to this day, he is the patron saint of Paris. And St. Denis, as he's known, and some of you will not believe me, but you'll believe Google when you see it. It's amazing. You really want to believe what you read on Google, but that's okay. He was preaching the gospel with such power and authority, he threatened the powers of be of the dynasty in France. So they sent men, they sent soldiers to kill him. While Dennis was preaching, 
this strong warrior came up behind him with a sword, <laughs> lobbed his head right off of him while he was preaching. He bent down and picked up his head and finished the message. And everyone was converted, including those that tried to kill him. I'm talking about miracles and signs and wonders. What if the sun stood still again? What if a comet out of nowhere tomorrow morning is observed in the sky? Or at least we're notified of it. It's a new day dawning, bro. You want the fire alarm go off 12 times before you believe it? There's a Joshua generation rising. Say, I want to be a part of that. Say, I believe the report of the Lord. It's a good report. His word is always true. And he will lead me into my destiny. Put your hand over your heart, dear friend. Father, I ask now that heavens would open over us that we would step into a new era, the hinge of history. I hear the creaking of its hinge even now as we step into a new day of dawn makers and day breakers, locust-eating maniacs that don't care because they've been with Jesus. The world is not worthy of those three men that were killed, my best friends. Give us living martyrs Give us living martyrs, God, that don't count their lives dear unto themselves, but that you might finish their course, their race with joy and faithfulness, who will love not their lives to the death, because you love our lives to the life, to eternal life. Touch every woman in this room. Pull the veil off their tender heart, that feminine heart. Pull that veil off, God. Make them vulnerable, sensitive, tender, passionate again to you. They will not withhold their love any longer. And I pray for every male in this room that you'll put a bullseye on our, our masculine heart, that longing to be a man that makes a difference, not just a dent. Lord, that we would leave the world different, that we would change things, we would we would help the hurting. We would help the, the wounded, help the, the broken. We'd help those that can help themselves, Lord. Give us that male heart of David. Let there be love in the house again. Let there be fervent beyond the boundaries ah, of the supernatural love of God until our meetings become love feasts. Ah, the love feasts. Restore communion. Even as you're restoring baptism, now restore communion. Give us communion revivals. Oh, Jesus. To take your body and your blood. We sing about it, but now we drink it. We eat your crucified flesh. Ah, more fire, more miracles, shadow healings, more, 
more, Lord. Epischiazo, the epischiazo of God, the overshadowing of our gatherings, the overshadowing that brings healings to hospitals because we walk down the halls. More, Lord. More dawn makers. Raise them up. Daybreakers. Call them forth. Anoint them for the last days. Let the electricity of God flash into their heart right now. Let the flame divine burn within their soul. Let them be radical lovers, passionate friends of Jesus, unafraid, courageous, wise as serpents, yet harmless, sweet and harmless as a dove. Do it, Lord, in this room tonight. Target the weakest one and raise them up like David. And together, we will be like the Lord himself going out to war. Target our hearts, God. More, Lord, more. More supernatural healing of knees happening right now. Knees are being healed by the fire of God right now. Miracle power coming into the room. More, Lord, take it up another notch, Jesus. Bring it in. Bring in your glory throne, your chariot throne on wheels of Ezekiel 1. Release it to the last days, champions, Lord. More. Hey. Come on, this is why we're here. This is, this is it, right here. To intercede, to say, God, do it. Heal our marriages. Heal our marriages. Until we represent Jesus Christ and his bride. More passion, Lord. More fire of divine embrace. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.